You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network. My name is Mark Seaman, and right now I'm joined by stand-up comedian, actor, writer Aaron Berg, originally from Toronto, performed off-Broadway here in New York City. Starred recently in 24-Hour Rental, Boondock Saints 2, The Lockout, Detroit Rock City, The Ladies' Man, Incredible Hulk, and Bad Meat with Dave Franco from 2011. Not to be confused with the Chevy Chase Judah Friedlander, Ben Bailey, Bad Meat from 2004. Different Bad Meat. Yeah, were you aware of that other Bad Meat? I knew that there was another Bad Meat with Chevy Chase. I didn't know Ben Bailey was in it. Yeah, Ben played, uh, he played like an agent. And he had like a long trench coat. It was like one of his first things he ever did. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Uh, and then Judah sneaks in there, as he always does. Judah's right? in so, everything. Yeah. Judah's kind of in everything. Yeah. But uh, you rocked that bad meat. And that was a horror That was a horror movie, that right? That bad meat fell apart. They ran out of money like 24 days in. And I was supposed to be getting my ear chopped off with a meat cleaver and blood was spraying up. And as we did, they're like, that's it. And then <laughs> they ran out of money. And then the, the movie, the director was Rob Schmidt, who directed... Um, Oh, really good horror movie called Wrong Turn. Remember right, the original sure. Wrong Turn? And uh, and then they ran out of money. We got stuck with our own hotel bills, like a five-star hotel, like $6,000, I what? remember. And then uh, it all got sorted out after a while, but it was a nightmare. And the movie's on Amazon. Jessica Parker Kennedy was in it, and she's on black sales now. Dave Franco, who nobody thought was going to blow up like that. Right. Nobody thought that. I mean, you know. What are you going to do? And uh, I had a great part. I had a hairpiece for that movie, by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah. Now, you didn't have to pay for the hairpiece, did you? Yeah, I paid for my own hairpiece. Hairpiece is expensive. I was paying like 300 bucks a month. I could have leased a car for what I was paying for a hairpiece. Wait, wait you rented it? It's yeah, like by month? You don't rent it. It's like <laughs> but, <laughs> you don't but, give but it to other people. It made it's it like, so, You made it sound like you were doing installments. It's a month-to-month -month like, thing, yeah. Oh I was, God, I was a member of the hair club for men. It was a very exciting <laughs> club to be part of. <laughs> and you'd go in, and like when your hairpiece was like, because the hair would fall out, the fake hair would fall out. Right. And then you'd go in, and, the, and they'd fix it up for you and give you a new piece and they glue it to your head it was disgusting i really thought it looked good and now i look at pictures of it it's horrific now why did you choose that particular hair club over a different one that sounds like sounds like any of the others would have been better i researched the, the hair club for men looked like it was a good thing man <laughs> the commercial made sense women go to that place too even though it's the hair club for men they've broken the sociological glass ceiling and women go in there it's the saddest thing. Like, you think losers are men losing their hair? You got to see women losing their hair. It's even sadder. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty desperate. Yeah, they're very vulnerable at that point. I was going to say, is that like a, a move on, you know, kind of like ladies' night at like a bar or something? You figure you're a guy, so percentage numbers are up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you figure, okay, I'm a female. I'm losing my hair. I can sympathize. They can sympathize with me. Yeah. I'm bringing at least five of these guys home tonight. Maybe they think that. I don't know. But the women that work at Hair Club for Men pretend to flirt with you so that you think that your hairpiece looks better than it does. <laughs> They're like, you look so good. I was like, thank you. And then, oh, it was awful. Now, did you go with the original color? Like, do you, Yeah, you have you to grow to your hair back in. I have oh, a shaved okay. head, so I had to grow my hair back in for like two months, which was so awkward because it looks so Jewish accountanty. And then, because uh, I only grow it in the back and then like a little tuft on the top. And that was the worst. I, I would wear a hat all the time, like a wool hat, so nobody would see it. 
And then I, I couldn't do stand-up with the hairpiece. I would do stand-up, but it felt like I was lying the whole time. That, that was my next question. Did you use a pseudonym, or did you go as Aaron Berg with the hairpiece? I still went as Aaron Berg, but I would, I would always wear a hat over the hairpiece, so I'd be sweating all the time. My act used to be <laughs> way more physical, too, so it was horrible. Oh, man. Well, you're done with that nonsense. You're just shaving and going. That's yeah, it. I shave and go now. I keep it real. Well, congratulations on all the success so far. Thanks. And in your comedy career, uh, and of course your acting career as well, and writing. Uh, you got a new book situation going on. Yeah, new book coming out uh, in April called American Etiquette, Failing Upwardly in a Fox News Nation. It's uh, political satire. It's all the stuff that you should do to be a good American. Uh, respect the police, get fat, drink, uh, have one black friend, stuff like that. <laughs> So I'm assuming there's a point-by-point uh, point, uh, system people can follow here. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular order you should take in acquiring these things? Like, do you get fat first, or do you get the, the black friend first? There's no yep. real order. It's all just like a, a melange, if you will, of how to be a great patriot. So these things don't necessarily have to happen in order, because that would be logical. And as we know, America is very illogical. Illogical, right. Yeah. Some would read this book back to front. Yeah, right? you could do that. I'm going to be that guy, yeah. right? I'm going to be that guy who's who has the blog that says, hey, I read this book backwards, kind of like the asshole who does the maze backwards, yeah. right? Yeah. Finds the entrance, figured he's trapped on the inside from day one. Yeah. Right? It's a psychological amazing. thing. I Some think. people don't even read the book and then blog. Some people just <laughs> blog that hate me. I had like so many good reviews for my old book, and then a bad one showed up the other day, and you could tell the guy hadn't even read the book. He just probably didn't like me or like right. my stand-up, and it was a horrible review. I was like, this guy hasn't even read it. And you can't do anything about those, right? You just kind of have to shrug what them off. What are you going to do? I mean, you if you want to deal with the public, you got to put stuff out there, and, and people are going to think what they want to think. And, you know, they, there's got to be people that hate what you do because they, they could never do it. So they have to embrace their bitterness and push it out into the world because they can't create and uh, they lack any positivity it makes them well i'm i'm guessing i don't know i don't do that but i'm guessing it makes people feel better like putting other people down maybe that's the psychology behind I it i think i went through a phase where and even in comedy where i used to watch a lot of comedy and i'd judge it and i'd be like oh this is no good and, and it would it makes you feel better but it distracts you from doing what you really should be doing, which is creating and making work. So I don't even, I don't do that anymore. I mean, I don't, if, if there's comics I'm not very fond of, then I just won't watch them. And I don't have to, you know, I, I think after several years that negativity just starts to go away. I think the negativity is really uh, a fuel for younger comics. I feel like they have to hate everything. And that makes them feel like they're doing better. And they're like, ah, I'm reinventing the wheel. And you're like, yeah, you're just kind of a poor man Stanhope. So, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You're the third tier, fourth tier. Yeah, Stan you're the fourth Hope. tier of a Stanhope. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. Well, uh, your old book did very well, as well, Mr. Manners. Uh, proper etiquette for the modern degenerate. Now, is uh, writing something that came to you first, acting? Or stand-up comedy? What was the first... I mean, I guess you have to write to do stand-up, but uh, I mean write, write. Do you... Uh, which one came first for you? No, I mean, uh, I was acting first. Acting was the first thing I did, and I started doing stand-up after... Like, I did a movie... I did Detroit Rock City, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a movie star, because it was in a movie, and then that didn't happen. So I was like, I need to do something to create and be in front of people, and that's how I started doing stand-up. And then the book stuff was something... I'd always wanted to do, but I was like, hey, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And then last year, like I got sober uh, 
a year and a bit ago and that's when everything kind of kicked in where i had all this energy that wasn't going into four bottles of red wine a day so i just like sat down and started chipping away at it and now i found i found a way that i can write a book a year like i have a formula for lack of a better word so i can sit down and write a book a year wow that's first of all that's impressive number two congrats on sobriety man i know that's not an easy thing um wine was your damage yeah that was so much so much so (laughs) much red wine now, was it anything you could get your hands on out of the box? No, you know, I wasn't. Just... Uh, I, I wasn't to that point. I wasn't drinking like Sterno or anything. But uh, I, you know, I considered myself a connoisseur, but I'd go like down to $11 bottles. And I'd drink like by myself pre-show. And then I'd get to a show, drink as soon wow. as I got to a show. And it was a lot of booze. It was just plug and play pretty much like yeah. an IV. And I drink. thought I wasn't an alcoholic because it was red wine. Right. That's uh, it's red wine. I'm fancy. That's the dirty game yeah. of red wine, right? Yeah. Or any wine for that matter. Yeah, it's not beer. It's not liquor, yeah. right? It's wine. Oh, it's, it's wine, man. I'm, yeah. cla- I'm just extra classy. Yeah, I'm extra classy all the time, every day. But you, th- you, you got rid of that. You threw it away. And now you're being mad productive mad productive uh which is fantastic so that's good news man thanks well i see you i see you perform a lot at the stand and uh you're, you're a staple over there yeah uh monday nights is uh the frantic mondays yeah. which is a cool thing so if people are in new york city make sure you check that out and also you'll be uh you'll be back at yuck yucks right in ottawa soon? yeah i'm doing like, ottawa uh, in april uh pending my uh my my green card goes through by that point in time i just uh I applied for my green card, so I'm not allowed to leave the United States until I get that. So hopefully it's through within the next month. Uh, interesting. So you make your way here, you get to stay, and now, <laughs> now we and won't let go you back leave. Home. I'm an immigrant. I move here. Obama never grants me amnesty. Why? Like, yeah, no take backs, huh? Why is it so weird that like he gave five million people amnesty, and I'm like... Uh, you know, uh, I, I consider myself a pretty talented comic. Like, I'm not coming here suckling off the teat of the system. And I have to pay, I've literally paid like $30,000 to remain in this country. Jesus. So it's, it's Yeah, I insane. heard it's bad coming down from Canada. Like I, and you, I don't understand why. It shouldn't be. Yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends too, that have come down to move to LA, working in movies and stuff. And they said, you know what? Fuck this. Everything's shot in Canada anyway. I'll just go back there. Yeah. And then not pay this exorbitant amount of money to yeah. stay in the states, but but you're here, you're doing it. Green card, hopefully that all checks out. Um, do you miss home though? Do you miss the scene in in Toronto? Not at all. And and Canada because it, it's a weird, it's a different breed of comedy. Yeah. But it has been very successful, not only in Canada but here in the states. Yeah. And uh, there's a long tenured list of of big names. You know, from uh, Canada. Feels like the Toronto scene, it felt like there's a lot of uh, very unique acts. And, and I don't want to even say alty, but it felt like to really rise to the top, you had to be very original and very unique and talk about stuff that nobody else was talking about uh, to break out and like become a headliner. That being said, there, there was so little in terms of reward in Canada. And, you know, I made a good living in Canada and I had, you know, a home and, and all these like perks. But, um, I mean, my my dream since I was a kid was always to move to America and not I I never thought making it, quote unquote, existed in Canada. It was all just like a training ground to get good enough to come here. That's how I mean, that's always been my dream was to move to the United States. And uh, 
I, you know, I still respect where I came from, but I have, you know, I want to live here, get a Harley Davidson, and get an American flag and throw it on my deck. You are, you're American. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm you American. Were, it's like that kid who's, I uh, was born 32, you know, 30 years late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were just born in the wrong country. But, you know, Toronto's close, so it's not like you're too far away. But, um, what what is the Canadian dream then? Is that is that seem to be the case with most Canadian comics or actors? They eventually just want to come to the states. I- there's some very good Canadian comics that stayed in Canada and they're really trying to push ahead and say, you know, we don't need American acts to fill our TV networks and we don't need American films to fill our cinemas. Um, so there are people that try and do that because Canada's a great country for many things. I just found for show business, it wasn't. Um, and that's, all, and you know, I love the American dream. I love going to a Mets game. I love, uh, Yelling at diversity. Yeah, that's like a that. true American dream there. Going to a <laughs> shitty baseball good. team <laughs> and being supportive and just basking in the depression yeah. of, of its own existence. And how, so. can you, how, how can you go anywhere after you live in New York City? Like, how could you live anywhere else after you live in New York City? Yeah, I mean, the answer is you can't. Yeah, yeah unless you like, develop a meth problem and you want to go to Tampa or something like that. But <laughs> other than that, I, I can't see wanting to live anywhere else except the cultural epicenter of the world. The, the mayor from Tampa just called and is like, what are you, you know, what are you bringing me up for? What are you throwing me in this mix? Do they have meth in Tampa? I, I, Tampa's like the best of Florida, I think. I think that's what, that's the vibe down there now. It's like Tampa's <laughs> the best we have to Both offer. sides of the coin, right? And it's I love a, Florida. Miami's my thing, bro. Is that your jam? Yeah, it's my jam. Go down there, golf, play tennis. I hashtag white South privilege, Street. spray paint everywhere. Yeah, yeah okay. I love, I love South Florida. I feel like you have to own a white suit. Like, I'm pale enough as it is. I can yeah. just go out with just underwear on but i it's it's such an odd comedy crowd though i had a great time i did the you comedy had a good time? In it's either like really bad or ago, really good but they knew it was a dirty show the oh, okay. first time i went they did not know it was a dirty show and there was there was a lot of division in the crowd but this time uh mike levine who runs the place marketed it as this is a dirty show but then he made sure the host came up at the end and said, just so you know, not all the shows are this dirty. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trying to save face. Yeah. Play both sides of the fence. Yeah. You can't. It's one or the other, man. Yeah, I'm okay with I'm okay with that. You book me once a year, I'm okay with that. Then. All right. Florida it is. Aaron yeah. Berg. FLA, Got your retirement bro. plan all yeah. set up. Go get box seats for the Panthers. <laughs> Florida Panthers. Sure. Hockey? Anyone? Anyone out there? Yeah. Hey, I was a big Hartford Whalers fan growing up, so my uh, dreams were crushed when they bailed in 97 and, of course, won the cup right after that. But I was very happy because there was one guy that, like, jumped the boards and got on, and he had his green Whalers jersey on. He was running around on the ice. That made me very excited. They had a great jersey. That jersey Best logo ever, man. Um, I was a Leaf fan, and then we had season's tickets back in Canada, my family, and I stopped watching them this year because they were so bad, so I will not support the Toronto Maple Leafs in any way, shape, or form until they restructure. We gave all the tickets away. I don't wear their merch anymore unless it's like laundry day. I heard uh, I heard the NHL is actually considered just uh, switching up to the original five, and they're going to yeah. eliminate Toronto. from. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I like the Leafs, man. They were cool. All right. Uh, we're cool because they're not right now. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Aaron, want to talk to you about some comedy news, if that's cool with you, because yeah. uh, this is the Laugh Button Podcast. It's one of the things we do is deliver the comedy news. Uh, some sad news. Sam Simon was co-creator of The Simpsons. He passed away uh, just a couple days ago. Simpsons, pre- pretty big influence on you. Did you watch it? Were you hardcore? Did you memorize all the episode numbers like hashtag 46B? 
nine or no. whatever that was? Or, or were you a passive fan? I was a passive fan. I mean, I had a couple years where I'd watch it all the time. Um, but I, I never, I think I outgrew it. I don't know what it was. I think I switched over to Family Guy at a certain point. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people did that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm 35, about to be 36. 42. So 42, okay. Yeah. So you're about a high school and a half. That's how I judge everything, right? Okay, so you were a high school and a half career ahead of me. Yeah. But uh, I could see that being the case with your, your age group, too, making the switch at Family Guy. But um, did you... Do you remember when it came out, The mm -hmm. Simpsons, and how big of a deal it was? Well, it started on the Tracy Ullman show, right? right? Yeah, um, yeah, it was a, it was a huge show. I mean, I, I think in terms of animated comedy, it was massive. I I don't think, I don't know if it was like, in terms of Edge, I don't think it was groundbreaking. I think Family Guy did a lot more for Edge. I was with Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane the other night, and their kid was watching. Family Guy, and I was like, "Is it really like you have a kid watching?" And I guess how old's their kid now? Like, I, uh... I don't know, but it, she looked young. Okay, and I was like, "Oh, the kid can watch Family Guy," but I guess you have like Bonnie and Rich around the house, you're gonna hear worse stuff than Family Guy. Yeah, probably. if anything, that's the Disney Channel for yeah. Them. So it it was interesting. I mean, I I haven't been following it that closely, but I know a lot of people were saying he was a god, and uh, he went too soon. I'm guessing so. Yeah, it's unfortunate cancer struck him and uh, took him away. But uh, we'll move on to some other news. This is a more positive, almost an unbelievable note. You were two when this thing came out. Monty Python, the Holy Grail, mm -hmm. turns 40 wow. this year. 40. Yeah. I remember tricking my Latin teacher into allowing us to watch this movie because there was the one uh, part of the movie where the, the uh, monks were smashing their heads with the tablets and reciting Latin. And my and my teacher's like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess that makes sense. That's a great trick. Yeah, and so we watched uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Uh, you're welcome, class. By the way, the meaning of life was my. Was that your jam? From them, yeah. Remember when the dude exploded, and he goes from eating too much. Right? I feel better, better, sir. Better get a bucket. I'm gonna throw up. And it, the excessive throwing up. I think edgy stuff is what influenced me the most. Okay. Yeah. yeah so Monty Python was like that. I mean, they were the first to sort of have guys dressing up like girls yeah. and doing bits. And they really pushed the envelope, too. It's hard to believe some of that stuff was able to be on TV, right? I know. Yeah, I love stuff that pushes the envelope in terms of edge. That That's always mind-blowing to me when people can do it first. Like the stuff Pryor used to get on TV when he had his show... And people were like, you can't do this on TV. And it's amazing that they're able to do it. Someone has to stand up, stand up wise, I think, and push the envelope in terms of late night shows and, and live performance. I think Wilmore is doing a good job at Comedy Central. Larry Wilmore, yeah. I, I, think, he, I think the edginess that he has is great. But I've, I, I want to see somebody go on and do stand up. That's either A, crowd work, or B, fully improvised. And I think someone's got to let a stand-up do that. Do you think that'll happen with uh, the new Late Late Show? Because you got, you got someone like Reggie Watts is in the mix, right? He's already an improviser as a musician, yeah. being the head music guy over there. James Corden, you know, he's coming from Britain. I think he's got that vibe. I think that might be the show. It'd it would be great if it did happen. I mean, I'd love to see someone like... I, I talk to Okerson sometimes and he's like, why do I have to do like a set set? And then and then, you know, instead of just going out and doing what I do. And I feel the same way. Like I'm at my best when I have nothing prepared and I'm way funnier. And they'll say like, well, you don't know if that's going to work as opposed to a polished set. But yeah, I've seen guys with polished sets 
go on and eat it. You know what I mean? Sure. So there's no guarantee. It's all like, are the comedy gods smiling on you that night? So someone has to just say, and I know statistically because I used to do an act that killed all the time. And then the act would kill to varying degrees. And then I started doing crowd work and I'm like, I'm getting the exact same amount of laughs, if not bigger. And it, there's a consistency to it. So I think it's how your mind is made up. I think it's going to take somebody very brave to endorse it, but I think that they should start letting comics really riff and have fun with a live audience. What do you think the closest thing to that is now that's on Jeez. TV? Anything? Even if it's even if it's scripted. You know, I, I understand you're talking about improv here or just crowd work or in the moment. A tell's show that was uh, that Atel was doing the at late the night underground. Porn one? Oh, yes. Okay. I think that, that there was elements of that, but I mean, he'd bring up like Jeffrey Ross and stuff to roast. Uh, so I think there were the elements of, of that live quality to it. But I don't think, you know, I think when people are forking money out saying this is how much this network time is worth, you can't, we need to know exactly what you're going to say. And I think that, hey, it's great to do stand-up on TV, but it's never really been one of my goals because it is kind of a form of censorship. Even though they're like, you know, you're getting to say what you want to say, but it's like, come on. I've been trying to get a late-night spot for years, and then, like, I had a really good showcase, and they're like, uh, great set, let's get in touch. And then they said... Uh, um, I really like what you did, but it was a story with jokes. We don't want that. We want just jokes. Just and I was one like, liners, yeah, quick jokes. You know, because there's one or two guys that have done stories and they haven't gone over. And it's like, you know, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. You could do poorly with, you could do poorly with your great stuff, or you could do great with stuff you just came up with. Like that's what stand up is. So, do you feel most comfortable every night going up? Just I don't want to say winging it, but just I wing it. Nothing. Going up there and just saying, "Hey, I got a microphone now. Yeah, it's my turn to talk. Here's what's going on." Yeah, and it'll some days I'll be like, "Okay, here's what is gonna drive this set. Like, this is what I want to talk about. Like, I, I'm, I'm, ah, this is hard. I'm seeing a girl. So then it, I had it took me so long to muster up the courage to say the L word because I'd been engaged before and I'd been in other relationships. So I, I think I really wanted to heal. So like, if I'm like, okay, I told." a girl I love her, then that kind of takes over my being and that'll go in the set somehow. So it's either going to be talking about that or the set will take on elements uh, of me having the courage to do that or not being such a wuss that I was able to say it. I don't know what it is exactly, but there's like a state of being that kind of overtakes me. And if there's something topical, then that's great. Um, but other than that, sometimes the audience becomes the show, you know, which is, you know, almost a fallback, but it's a fallback without a net, which is wow. a great thing. That's when you know you're in control, at least of yourself. You know what I mean? You can't help whether the crowd's good or not. Right. You can, like you said, you can do your best stuff. They just might not like your best stuff. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, that's when you know you're just confident. Like, you don't get nervous anymore. Do you ever get nervous? Uh, I think I had a showcase where I was like, well, I'm nervous. And then I was like, why am I nervous? So, I, But now I, I've learned you just feel that. You don't try and fight that. You just have that feeling, and that's it. I used to overanalyze it, like, why am I nervous? And then I try and talk myself out. Oh, it doesn't matter. Even if you get this, all you're going to get is this, and it's not going to change your life. And then it's like you're you're making what's in the way become the way. Um, so instead, I just like you just feel it and go through it. But most of the time, it's a very calm. Ca I think New York does that to you. I think years in New York where you're like, 
it's comedy, so it's gonna nothing. This one set's not gonna change anything, right. which may be the wrong attitude, but I also don't think it is. It's not. It's not stand up in the eighties. I used think to do it's one the right showcase. attitude. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the right attitude. I mean, people doing ten sets a night. You know what I yeah. mean? It's not one of those isn't gonna ruin you. Yeah. You know, you might have to take a breather from said venue, but yeah. you know, if it goes really bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you're in the clear. All right, um, Aaron, something else that happened recently, uh, Comedy Central did the uh, Night of Too Many Stars. I'm not sure if you heard about anything that happened, but, you know, it's a big benefit show at the Beacon Theater for autism. Uh, but some weird shit went on. Like, there were Paul Rudd had this wheel that he spun, and uh, then he had to do whatever, you know, it landed on. There was this thing called Baby Bird, and it landed on Baby Bird, and someone who won the auction came up, you know, spun the wheel, lands on Baby Bird, they had to chew food and then put it into Paul Rudd's mouth. Yeah. Right? And there were some other things on the board. You know, like he had, he had to take his penis out or like whatever shenanigans. What what would you be willing to do for charity? Like would you be willing to do some fucked up shit to raise money? Yeah, you know? I got uh, – I've received fellatio on stage three times, and that wasn't for charity. That was just for the audience. Well, that was for your pleasure. own charity. Yeah, but I didn't really? finish. Really? Three yeah, it's hard to finish. on stage. Yeah, it was the same week. Wait, is this in Canada or U.S.? In Canada, I did it, yeah. Okay, There's and that's fair a... game? There's no the... – I mean, the mayor of Toronto seems to get away Yeah, this was anything. before Rob Ford, but I remember that it was at Yuck Yucks in Toronto, and the guy, uh, Mark Breslin, who owns it, was like, yeah, go ahead and do it. And he wow. was all for pushing the envelope, and I had a plant in the audience who was my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, we need a volunteer. And then I was like, we're doing, uh, this is an improv game. Uh, Jamaicans call it Fellow Theo. And uh, we basically, <laughs> she came up and I was like, okay, um, what uh, is your favorite thing to do? And then basically I took her by the hand and there's a screen there, a see-through screen. And uh, I received uh, fellatio on three nights. And then by the second night, they're like, take a beer bottle back with you just in case someone shows up, like the cops. Right. And then, you know, it was very, I was trying to be Lenny Bruce, I think, for years. Where it was like, yeah. <laughs> so this was through a screen, so it was just the shadow. Yeah. It wasn't like, But then uh, people would walk up and look, and you could see me actually doing it. But like I, coming back from the bathroom. Next no, people <laughs> actually came up because they wanted to see. The Toronto Star wrote about it, and they called it disgusting, and they said fully erect, and I was not fully erect, so that woman clearly has not seen any big junk in her day. <laughs> she thought I was fully erect. How long did you date and, this plant? Uh, uh, I, post... got, I got engaged to that plant. Wow. Yeah, we got, and then, uh, and all three were from her, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be great if I had like three different plants, but you yeah. know. Monogamy is such an eyesore. So you'd do that for charity again? Is I would do that. Yeah. What else would I do for charity? I'd uh, I'd probably strip on stage. I'd strip on stage for charity. I feel like I need a day or two to cut my water just so I look super tight. But yeah, I'd strip. Cut I, your I mean, water do just it for anyways. those out there. You yeah, know? that's a, that's an old like wrestling term. You know, yeah. high high school wrestling term, I guess yeah. too, or or stripper yeah. term if you bodybuilder. Cut sure. your water. Yeah, forty eight hours just sipping. Um, I'm going to all summer. I'm going to be wearing tank tops on stage and that's it. It's my new summer thing this that's, summer. It's always been a dream of mine to just wear tank tops on stage doing stand up and you dig yourself such a hole because you look like such a douche. As soon as you get up there, people are like, oh, what's this? And it's such a great thing to fight against because right. like, I look like such a dick. It's an automatic douche. Well, you do have the shaved head. Yeah, you're everything. very muscly. Got like you're jacked. Yeah, I'm jacked. So you're rocking a tank top pre-stained or are these clean? <laughs> I wouldn't wear a stain one. I got. I wouldn't. Okay, I wouldn't go to string tank tops. You know those string ones that are ultra douche. 
but I'm I'm gonna have shaved chest, shaved abs, and uh, nice like you know, not Hysterical. wife beaters, but yeah, I'm that all summer. That's my thing, all summer. This is also gonna be your third book. It's gonna be titled uh, Forty Eight Hours Just <laughs> Sipping." Yeah. Right. Uh, no, third book is actually I already have the idea in mind. It's already on. Wow. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah, it's a formula now. So much it's better than wine, right? Do. Yeah. So much Writing better. Books. Hey, man, just trudging through books. Yeah. People don't understand how hard it is. First of all, to write a book. I mean, to have everyone has ideas, right? Yeah. No, hardly anyone executes. Yeah. But when it comes to a book, it makes it even even harder, man. It's crazy. Well, yeah, it's you. fun to work outside the box. Uh, so what else? Uh, what else is going on with you? you? You you mentioned off mic. There's something you can't talk about, which disappoints me. Cause yeah, I, I would try to get it out of you, but I'm I not going to. Uh, I can't talk about it. Until Can you at least summer. say if it's a film, TV, or uh, TV? Okay, so it's something TV can't talk about till summer. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Can't talk about it till summer. All right. Can't even tell me if it's greenlit. Um, it, it'll be on the TV, but I can't talk about. Okay, it. Okay, that's yeah. as far as I'll go, man. Yeah, I don't want to push it. Um, uh, but anything else uh, in the bag that you it, can't talk about that's that's coming up? Brand here? new book coming out in April. Uh, I have a CD that Sirius XM um, taped for me, and uh, Comedy Records is producing it. It's called Comedy Coal Train, and it's an hour of just uh, crowd work and uh, I think about three jokes in that hour. So I did two separate hours that night, and we released the best one of it. Oh, uh, awesome. That's that'll great. be out in April. A uh, new book coming out. I'm going to be doing a documentary. Uh, so I have, uh, I've talked to two people about it, and the documentary is going to be called Comedy Iron Man. And within the matter of a week, I'm going to be doing 20 stand-up sets in one night in New York. They're going to follow me doing that, and then... The week, it'll probably be the week before the 20 sets, I'm going to do my first bodybuilding contest in 20 years. So I'm wow. going to do that in New Shaking York. Shaking the dust off. Yeah, and do 20, 20 sets in the same night. So the documentary will be all about building up to both those things. So you will be 48 hours and sipping. Yeah, it's going to be insane. That's crazy. So 20 years. Uh, it, yeah, 97 was the last time I was on stage. Did you go so out a winner? Did no, you, I was, I was did running around. Did you John The shit? guy that beat me. I was clean for that last show, meaning I had no steroids in my system. Uh, I haven't always been clean. The guy that beat me is a guy named Hot Chocolate. Uh, I talk about him <laughs> in my act where there was this story about him. And he died like a month after that from a steroid-related heart attack. He was juiced to the gills. Wow. I remember he had like hanging gynecomastia, which is bitch tits. And uh, he died a month after. So technically, if I really wanted to be a dick... I could say I won that because he was dead, so he didn't get to reign for the whole year. So for 11 months of that year, I would have been lightweight Mr. Canada. So like <laughs> Miss Miss Universe, if yeah. they can't complete their Yeah, I mean, they don't tell you that, but in my mind, <laughs> you know, I wrote death. it for a while. I, go, I went out and got a new trophy made up, like had the second place scratched off. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> that was very delusional That's for a hysterical. while. That's hysterical. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he beat me. Hot chocolate was his name, and he, he's well, dead. He's dead chocolate yeah. now, right? Yeah. Dead I mean, chocolate, burnt it's, chocolate. <laughs> it's not too soon. What was that? Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Yeah. Wow. I think he robbed me one night too. I talk about that story on stage. I had a man purse for a well, bit. It sounds like this guy was just a fuck. Yeah, he wasn't a good guy. I mean, it's not nice to talk about the dead, but you know. right. But he did. He had a fourteen-inch piece of junk on him. I'll tell you that. Don't want to know how you know. I guess you can't hide that. We right? stripped together. Trousers. We ah. worked as strippers for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So he beat you, but it was uh, it was healthy competition. Yeah, I'll say and you guys knew each other. Steroids and he died. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming by, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for, for the time. Me. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Berg Comedy, and uh, check out his website, uh, Aaron Berg. Dot com and you can pick up uh, the first hour on DVD, right? First hour, yeah. There? I Your think book still as well. Some. Uh, yeah, mrmannersbook.com. And when can we pre-order the new one, or is that already pre-orderable? No, not pre-orderable yet. Uh, April first, it'll be pre-orderable. Is that even a word? Uh, probably not. Yeah, pre-orderable. <laughs> it's like preorderable.com. That's a great name for a website. That is by a the great way. name. Yeah, it's like audible.com. I'm gonna not publish this podcast until we get that sorted out get that website on yeah. GoDaddy. great <laughs> yeah. all right everyone uh be sure to head over to riotcast.com subscribe to our podcast on itunes and leave reviews comments etc and you can hear every episode of the laugh button podcast follow us on all the socials at the laugh button and as always you can get all the latest news in the comedy universe at the laugh button dot com uh the next episode will be taking place down at south by southwest very excited about that. We have uh, our showcase show down there, the Laugh Button Live with Gotham Comedy Club on Monday night. Bill Burr is a part of it, Al Madrigal, and uh, many others. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're going to be down at South by Southwest, uh, be on the lookout for the Laugh Button Live. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.